Hi, friends, and welcome to All Things Relatable, a place where stories are shared. It's hard to put a value on a story because the lasting effects it can have are often priceless. An individual's story has the potential to impact our lives in tremendous ways. My hope for you in joining me today is that this episode resonates with you and that you leave enlightened, ignited, and inspired because it only takes one moment to spark a change and leave an everlasting effect. Hey friends, today you get to meet my beautiful friend, Claudia. Claudia and I met just over a month ago in LA at a retreat, and although I've only known her for a short while, I feel like I've known her forever. Over the course of the three days, we cracked wide open and had deep, vulnerable conversations, shed tears and layers, and let go of old stories and beliefs. We also had loads of fun. We danced and we sang and we laughed a lot. One of the things that I learned about Claudia over our days together is that she has been to the end of the earth and back many times in this lifetime. Claudia has been through so much adversity, and yet she shines so brightly and loves so deeply and has so much compassion. Claudia is an artist, writer, philanthropist, coach, podcast host, wife, and mother. And I can't wait for you to meet her because you are going to fall in love. Claudia, hi. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. It's so good to be sitting across from you. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy to see your face, first of all, because, you know, I missed you. But also, um, what you read was so beautiful, what you said about me. Thank you. I was like all emotional when I was listening to you. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. And we did have an amazing time together. And I hope everybody understands when I speak because my husband makes me repeat things three times. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've got like a really good handle. So hopefully my audience, they'll, they'll get you. You have very, very good fluent English and your accent (laughs) is like perfect. Lovely. Yeah. So I actually want to kind of start there because you currently live in Las Vegas yeah. And you have for a while, but that's not where your roots started. Your roots started in Peru. So can you take us back and tell us a little bit about your childhood and then what brought you over to the United States? Yeah, I was born in Peru. Um, it's going to be 57 years tomorrow. So I, I got that download from my daughter today because she's moving to Miami and she said, Mom, do you really want to drive? I mean, you're old. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, what? (laughs) But yeah, 57 years ago, um, I was, sorry, I was born in Peru, in Lima, in the city. And um, I was very fortunate because I have a very eclectic family. So my my mom's side of the family is very formal. Um, it's a bunch of ambassadors. So, you know, you learn to, they, they, they bring the plate from the right, they pick it up from the left, and you have them put the elbows in the table, blah, blah, blah. And then the weekends, I'll go to my dad's house, which was, you know, loud music and people playing guitars. And my dad wrote poetry and he was a journalist and he loved to paint. So I had really the both of both worlds. And I feel very blessed that I was exposed to so much because that taught me um, not only to appreciate what is different, but also to embrace it, you know, and and 
in a way taught me to be a little bit of a chameleon, you know, when mm -hmm. I am with one kind of people, I'm going to blend into them and learn from them without losing my authenticity, which I lost for a period of time because when I was younger, you know, in, in general, when you're younger, you want to fit in, you, you want to be part of something. And I don't think I learned the difference between fitting in and belonging until I was much older. But, um, you know, when I was a kid, yeah, I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be part of, you know, and and my dad always said to me, you treat the janitor and the president the same way because they're both humans. They both have feelings. They both have stress. They both go to sleep at night. They both have to breathe to survive. So I learned that since I was very little. And and I love that I was exposed to that because when you come from that energy to somebody else, then there is no barriers, there is no walls, you know? We're all here, as Kathy said, part of a masterpiece, you know? So let's make it beautiful. Oh my gosh, so, that is the most beautiful, yes. So that that's the beginning, you know? Um, I, I went to school, I my parents got divorced when I was very, very young, um, I was, four years old. And uh, so I never really had the mommy and daddy at home. You know, I mean, we lived with my grandparents for a period of time, um, but it was, you know, my mom was a single mom, you know, but my mom was very business person. My mom owned restaurants, owned nightclubs, uh, traveled the world. I mean, I think there are seven places in the world that she hasn't been in, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and um, so we were raised, you know, with a lot of stuff, but not a lot of touch, let's put it that way. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of hugs, you know, um, which also taught me what I needed and what kind of mom I wanted to be. Mm. So... And, and, you know, I, there is no judgment. We are all the best parents. We know how to be. And that was what she knew. And, you know, bless her heart. She did, she did the best she could. Um, that wasn't enough for me. I wanted more. I wanted to be a different kind of mom. And in a way, I think I became the mom that I always wanted mm. for my kids, you know, um, and for the little Claudia that I have inside me and that we all carry with us, you know, our, our little self that sometimes is exposed to things that we're not ready to deal with. And then when we're adults, I feel we kind of have the obligation to go back and visit and say, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for hanging on. Thank you for being there for me when I didn't even know what direction I was going. So um, in a way, I feel I raised my little me. <laughs> <laughs> and my kids at the same time. <laughs> uh, isn't that so true that I love how you say we kind of are obligated. We have that opportunity when we get older to really reflect and look back. And when the things around us aren't working or we're getting triggered or there's healing to be done, we need to go back and heal that little one so that we can really blossom and bloom yeah. and live vibrantly because we carry that stuff around since we're, you know, childhood. Yeah. 
And if Mm -hmm. we don't actually revisit it, then it's going to keep following us as we go. So yeah, from such a young age, you had, your parents were divorced. You're kind Mm -hmm. of hopping back and forth and had such blessings in that seeing like such a diverse different ways of living. And yeah. And I love how you talked about fitting in and belonging. When did you kind of realize the difference between the two? When did you go from fitting in to actually belonging? You know, when I was 17 years old, I started working in soap operas and it was kind of like, um, and I, I'm talking about this because you and I have talked about this and I know that you, you wanted to explore a little bit about this part of my life. I didn't look for it. I was walking in the street and a producer saw me through a window and offered me a movie. Like you, you read about things like that and you don't think that happened, but it does happen. Um, my mom didn't want me to do it. So I went to the recordings for three months without a contract telling them I'm going to bring you the contract tomorrow because I was 17 and I needed to be 18 to sign it. And my mom has said no. So I wasn't able to do the movie, but then there was a soap opera opportunity and he called me and I started recording the soap opera for all that period of time. And um, I never felt in that period of my life that I needed to fit in because I had a lot of attention. Um, And then, you know, I got married and a lot of things happened and kind of life took me in a roller coaster. So I didn't have the time to think, not even what I wanted to be or where I wanted to go. I was kind of trapped in a, a very abusive relationship for like five years. Um, and I always had in my head, I want to be a mom. I want to have, you know, the, the Flintstone family, you know, the, the mom and the dad and the kid. And, you know, there was an an illusion that I had. And one day I realized that that person was not my person and the fear of being a divorcee, you know, I had to, I had to get over it. And I ran away. I grabbed my purse, my glasses and my passport and I left. I didn't take anything else. And um, he found me, he brought me back and then I ran away again. And the second time he didn't find find me. I mean, now he knows where I am, but I'm telling you a long time ago. Um, So I met my second husband, which was, which is the father of my kids, but he passed away three years ago. Um, in that moment, I started to pay attention because my life wasn't as hectic as it had been all the way up to 24 years old. So I started to pay attention and it wasn't until I divorced him, um, we became really good friends and we were very close friends until the day he passed. I mean, his last phone call was for me. So we were really we had a really beautiful bond. Uh, somebody told me he was my kid in another life. I believe it. <laughs> so, <you> know, <laughs> I believe it. Um, but then is when I understood that I didn't need to try to fit in anymore. It was an awakening. It started with my relationship with him because he didn't see any wrong in me. 
And it was very reassuring that I didn't have to be perfect. I didn't have to prove anything. I didn't have to be the smartest, the most famous, the prettiest. I didn't have to do all that because in a way, and, and it was funny because when I met him, he was working in a sheet metal shop. And here I come from Peru, the actress, the money, the this, the that. And he was like, I was kind of like the one that got away, you know, like, oh, I can't believe this girl is looking at me. And we moved to Las Vegas because he was a singer and he wanted to audition for Legends in Concert, which is a show here for impersonators. Um, so he said to me, do you think I should send my VHS? And I said, send your VHS. You know? so, <laughs> so we send it um, and he got hired. So we came, um, I got pregnant, which was a huge miracle because I had lost a baby in my previous relationship and I, I was told that I couldn't have more kids. So we started traveling. It was great. And um, I got pregnant with my second baby with a lot because I, you know, inseminations and injections in the belly and all, and you call it, I went through it. Um, and then my baby, Sophia, which was my surprise baby. And we were very happy, but you know, I didn't understand that then. I understand that uh, I understood that after that because he was not exposed to what I was exposed when I was so young. He was mesmerized with everything, with fame, with money, with the big house, with the car. And he went to his head. He went to his head. And, you know, he made some mistakes. And I also made some mistakes because I, I feel that it was my responsibility to see the red flags that I didn't see. And we decided that that wasn't, you know, the marriage wasn't the right thing for, for both of us at that moment. And we got divorced the first year. Obviously, we were not friends. Nobody's friends with your ex the first year. But then we managed to create a really good relationship for our girls. And um, in that part of my life, being a single mom and continuing my discovery of who I was, that has started it with him, got me to the point that I want to belong. I don't want to fit in and it's okay to be different. And I don't have to change my accent and I don't have to be somebody else and I don't have to dress like somebody else. I can just be myself and my tribe will find me. I don't have to chase, you know? And there is nothing more empowering than knowing who you are and just attract your company, your blessings, your abundance without having to chase. Um, so that happened 26 years ago and I made myself a promise. And I'm gonna tell you exactly the moment I remember, and I hope I don't cry, but I'm super emotional today, I don't know why, but I remember clearly moving to a one bedroom apartment and. I mean, I don't want to sound stupid, but I was very blessed when I was a kid. So I had to learn from cleaning the toilet in my apartment to doing my bed because I didn't have the need to learn those things when I was a kid. And, and you know, people that might hear that might say, well, how stupid, you know, I mean, are you kidding me? But there is some power um, in yourself when you learn to adapt 
And when you say, you know what? The circumstance is not going to define me. I am going to define the circumstance. And that's what I did. And that I remember clearly a night that um, I was in when my one bedroom apartment. My kids were in, in the room. Um, they had a bunk bed because he wanted to punish me. He didn't want he wa- didn't want the divorce at first. And he was like, you know, it was a mistake. Um, I love you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no. So he wanted to punish me. And I said to myself, I need to be able to look at myself in the mirror and know that I didn't shrink to fit. And I need to be a billboard for my girls. So I walk inside my daughter's room and there was the bunk bed, which is the only thing he let me take because everything else was a fight. And my daughter Talia had a mattress in the floor. It was a bunk bed and a mattress in the floor. Now you have to understand that if I look at my myself, if I try to go in my memory and see Claudia at six years old, which was the age of my daughter when I got divorced, I had a six-year-old, I had a, a almost two-year-old and 11 months old. I mean, they were little. And I was thinking to myself, am I making the right decision? Am I depriving my daughters from a lifestyle that they could have to put them in this place because of my ego, because of my pride, what it is that is behind this decision? And watching them sleeping reassure me that that was a good decision because it wasn't a decision made out of spite or anger or hate. It was a decision made out of love for myself. And that was huge for me. And I had to really stuck to my my decision. You know, I had a lot of people that came to me and told me, are you crazy? You're going to get divorced with three kids under five because Talia was just turning um, six. Are you nuts? How are you going to do this? I used to be his show manager. So I lost my marriage, my job, my insurance, and I had just got cancer. So it was like one thing after another one. And even my friends were saying, Claudia, just look the other way. And I'm like, I can't do that to myself. If I want to raise children with integrity, if I want to raise children that are going to be honest with themselves, they're going to love themselves. They're going to do the right thing, even if nobody's going to do it. And they're not going to do the wrong thing, even if everybody's doing it. I have to be a billboard for them. So this is the right choice. And it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. I'm in a foreign country. I don't have a job. I don't have anything. I didn't even have a car. I don't have anything. It's okay. I'll figure it out. And, and I did. And every time, I mean, at the beginning, I had three jobs. You, you think of a girl who was one of the most famous face in her country, because my soap opera had 38 rating. If you know anything about TV, 38 rating is huge. I mean, I was in almost 40 countries translated. It was everywhere. 
And I disconnect myself from that because I didn't need the comparison, number one. I didn't need to see what my friends that were actors were going and what my reality was because my competition was in the mirror. It wasn't there. So every day I had to look at myself and say, today you're, you're an inch closer to where you want to be. And that's okay. You and know, let's celebrate that, that inch. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that it? An inch, an inch, because I just think you're like a blessing and everybody who's listening that is facing something hard that they know they need to do. And it is probably way easier to look the other way because mm -hmm. the hard stuff, getting through, trudging through all of that, but one single inch at a time, I mean, then eventually you look back and you're like miles and miles down the road. So, mm -hmm. wow. I can't believe that. Like just looking at I, yourself. I remember Candace going, because my, my concept of being strong also has evolved. Um, I used to think that being strong is not being vulnerable. You cannot be vulnerable if you're strong. So I hide myself to cry. I cried, but I used to go to the shower and cry in the shower. You know, I figured I was already wet, so what the heck? So <laughs> I will go and cry in the shower, but also so my kids will not see that weakness in me. Because for me, that vulnerability was being weak. And it was a long journey. We went from one bedroom to two bedrooms, from two bedrooms to three bedrooms. And then we bought a house and then we own a car. We didn't have to lease it or we, we got a new car. And, but at the beginning was hard, you know? I mean, I remember when I just got divorced, my, the judge told my ex-husband that he has to provide a car and because everything was under the company name. And he found the worst car. I mean, he was really wanted to be not nice. And I used to take, and the, and the car smelled terrible. And I used to take my girls to school every morning, bundle up inside my car, so we would be able to have the windows down because the car smelled so bad. So you think, for a moment, that same person that was in that car with three kids under five, trying to make it to school so I can leave them in safety, so then I can run to work and then come back and pick them up and then do Mary Kay in the afternoon with my kids in the back seat that they will be sitting some in some corner or some house while I was doing a facial and then come back home and still be happy and let's play. Today we're going to do laundry. So Sophie, you are four now. So now you can separate colors and socks and Talia, you can climb on Isabella and push the button for the washer and we can and make it a game while I was making dinner. So then I can give him a bath, put him to bed and sitting my computer to do websites for realtors. That was my life, which was a whole different life than my life when I was 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. It was not even, they could, do a, they could do a movie out of that, but that was my movie and that was my reality, 
you know, and it humbled me mm-hmm. a lot because I had to come to terms with it. You know, this is my life. And yes, I could give up custody. He can have custody. He has a lot of money. Thank you very much. I was his manager for many years. You know, he has a lifestyle. He has the big house. Maybe I should do that. Why not? And then have that conversation in the mirror again and say, no, you're not being selfish. You are being a mom and your kids are going to love you for what you are, not for what you buying them because you're teaching them the value of things, not the price of things. And if you ask any of my kids that they are now they're 26, 28 and 30, um, Isabella just turned 28. If you ask them, did you have a happy childhood? They're going to tell you yes. And I heard them say that, you know, my mom made it all fun. And and I made it fun without a budget. Like I would wake up one day and I would call off work and I would tell the girls, we're not going to school today. We're going to the mountains and we're going to play in the snow. And for me, everything was a lesson. It was like, I'm going to teach them to be spontaneous. I'm going to teach them to adapt. I'm going to teach them to have joy for the little moments. Or there were times that I didn't have money to buy groceries, that the only thing that I had in my in my fridge was the little orange box. So it doesn't smell bad, the fridge. And my kids didn't understand. Like for them, it wasn't like, oh, my God, we go to my dad's house and the fridge is, you know, full with stuff and we have the cool candy and they take and he take us to limited two or a combi you know, and my mom take us to Target. You know, which it was so funny to an extent because, you know, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I have, um, I had everything when I was a kid. I had, you know, the last clothing or the last bicycle or the last whatever. And here I am, you know, being the poor parent <laughs> in a way, right? And, and he, who came from a very humble beginning, had the big house and the awesome car and the this and that, you know? So I would take them sometimes to the park and I would say, today we're not cooking at home. We're gonna have a picnic. And they were like, oh, this is awesome. And I would buy them the $1 um, McDonald's, you know? And they would ask, mom, you didn't buy your Happy Meal. Oh, I ate already. Because I never, ever wanted them to be angry at their dad. Mm -hmm. And I never wanted them to base the joy in the dollar sign, you know? So for me, it was like every day was an opportunity for a lesson. Every day was an opportunity to make it better. And my goal was to go to sleep at night and know that my kids laugh that day, that we sing, that we play, that we had a great time. And yes, tomorrow is going to be another long day. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Because we're here and we had a great day today. So it wasn't easy. But I think we have a choice every single day. We have a choice. You know, um, 
I heard this in the morning. I don't know if you did, but the same way that we we choose what are we going to wear, you know, we choose how are days going to be? What are we going to take with us today? You know, are we going to take kindness? Are we going to take love? Are we going to take resilience? What are we taking with us, with our outfit to face Mm -hmm. the world? And that was a choice I had to make every single day. And I was very conscious about it because I knew that whatever choice I was going to make, it was going to affect my girls. So what would you say to somebody who's going through something similar or a really hard time right now? Like, how can they have that mindset? How can they go through the really terrible stuff still with that spark and still with that light and still with that love? Like how, where did you get that from? You get it from you. You get it from your your heart. You know, people are not born mean or jealous or angry. You're not born like that. So it's your job to, in a way, to cultivate those beautiful feelings that you have inside you. I made a promise to myself many years ago that I was not going to allow hate in my heart. And that's my choice. I don't even allow my kids to say, I hate this. My kids will come to me and say, I really, 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 really don't like it, mom. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I get it. But hate is a very strong feeling. So we choose those feelings. And you cannot fix a problem unless you are aware there is a problem, right? So the minute that you're conscious about how you're feeling, then you can reassess and say, okay, wait a minute. That feeling is not aligned with the person I want to be. So I'm going to shift. And I'm not saying it's easy. I made a thousand mistakes and I'm still making it. But I think I am able to coach because I've been there. Nobody told me the story. I lived it. So when I have a client that calls me and say, I can't stand being in this relationship anymore. Then I said, let's talk about it. Because if you feel that way, then maybe you need to make a decision. Let's not rush, but let's make the decision that is best for you. Not is the best for everybody else. This is your life to live. You know, like in the plane, you cannot help anyone unless you put the oxygen mask on you first. And we have this idea that we have to get the burnt toast. We cannot go to the mall and buy whatever we want to because we should spend that money on something else. Yet, you know, you go to the grocery store and start buying things that you probably don't even need to eat because they're not even healthy for you, you know? So we have choices every single day. You, one of your choices is what is healthier for my well-being mentally. And every single time that I felt that the water was in my neck and I was going to lose my, you know what, I would take a moment. And I taught my kids, mommy needs a moment. And I will go in the bathroom and close the door. And then I will come out and they say, mommy, did you have your moment? I had my moment. Thank you. But that also teach the kids to respect your space. You know? You as a mom are not your kid's mate. You are a team. 
there are hierarchies like in everywhere you know even in heaven you have a <laughs> god the angel whatever you believe but you do so i always tell my kids i am gonna be your friend and i'm gonna go have a drink with you when you're 21. when you're 11 12 13 14 15 16 you are not my friend i am unconditional for you and i love you unconditionally but i'm your mom and you're gonna respect me and you're gonna take in consideration what i have to say and if there is something that you don't agree i'm gonna listen to you but the decision is gonna be mine because i'm the adult and that's that you cannot expect people to play a game if you don't teach them the rules you have mm -hmm. to teach them the rules and you have to be clear with your word and and set your boundaries and for me if any parent is listening right now the word maybe was my best friend because it allowed me to have time to really think if my answer was going to be yes or no because you have to be consistent mm -hmm. in the same way that i am with uh, with my kids i am with myself you know i set boundaries for myself i have to be consistent with myself and i don't make decisions in the spare of the moment because my decisions are going to affect my husband, my kids, my employees, my my um, uh, client. So I learn to say maybe to me and say, well, let's think about this. Do I really want it? You know, um, I had people that had reached out to me for coaching and they are in that place where they're not happy in their life but they are not unhappy enough to make a decision or to make themselves a priority and that's a decision that i cannot make for them they gotta make it on their own so as you said before if somebody's listening and is going through something like that if i can help them i can help them i'd be happy to help them but before they even make that decision they got to take a really good look in the mirror and say, is this what I want? Is this what I deserve? Is this how I see my life in five years? If you're okay with that, then by all means stay, you know? Mm -hmm. Some people are pints and some people are gallons. If you're happy with a pint, God bless you. Absolutely. Everybody's uh huh. I think a lot of us just don't actually take the time to look in the mirror and ask ourselves. We just kind of continue flowing with, with life wherever it takes us. So yeah, you can actually change the direction, the direction of the, the current when you actually stop and take a look and, and ask yourself those questions. So I want to touch too. you said like you were divorced, you had your three little ones in this little apartment, um, and you had the most joyful time as you went through the hard stuff, um, and you got cancer. Mm -hmm. So can you touch on that and tell us about your journey through and, you know, adding that into the mix of everything on top of that, like, just as you're telling this story, like there was a lot to that and that didn't even add the layer, <laughs> the complexity of the cancer to that. So how did you manage and get through that, that period? I had cancer three times. The first time was in my thyroid. Um, and right after my first cancer, I 
got separated and then I got divorced. So really didn't have the time to think, you know, I, it was very hard because I would have to go to get treatments and they don't allow you to bring three kids and I don't have any family here. So I had a really sweet neighbor. Her name was um, Adrian, still my friend after all these years. And she would watch two of my girls so I can take one and they would take turns. So even that was fun for them. I get to go with mom today to sit in the chair, you know, and it's all about attitude. It was it was difficult and I would get sick and I didn't have pot. You know, I was just had to deal with the sickness and 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 my hair falling and not feeling the energy to go to work. But I had a purpose. And my purpose was bigger than any other excuse. So I made it work. Um, when I was almost four years after um, the first cancer, I the doctor found a nodule between my heart and my lungs. It was in my right cardiac uh, angle. And I went to um, a hospital for like seven days with very, very strong radiation. They put me in a place where the nurses had to go with like a space suit and knock at the door because the radiation was so strong. Um, at that time, my ex-husband and I were friends. So he will watch the girls when I was in, in treatment and he would take him to see me all the way at the end of the hallway because they couldn't come close to me. So I would just peek outside the door and wave to them. And uh, I don't remember what he said to them, but he didn't tell them that that I had cancer at that moment. And then the third time I had it in my uterus and I was already with my husband, with my actual husband now, and I had a miscarriage. And when they went to do the ultrasound, they told me that I have lost the baby, but I had cancer in my uterus. So it, that was that was tough because you can you can tell by talking to me and what we have shared in LA that for me being a mom was the thing. So it was very hard to find out that I wasn't pregnant anymore and the fact that I was never going to be able to have a baby. So um, that was hard, but I didn't have I, I only had to do a little bit of radiation because everything was capsule. So um, I didn't have to go through what I went through on my first cancer. And this is funny, but it's not funny. But my kids always say, we're never going to get cancer because my mom had it three times. So she had it for us. And that's the power of manifestation. You know, when you say something and you're convinced that is never going to happen. End of the story. So and even when they see somebody with cancer, they'll say, you'll be okay. My mom had it three times, which is not always the, the truth. I mean, there is a lot of, I have lost loved ones to cancer, but the mentality they have that there is nothing impossible. You know, my mom was able to do that. You can do that too. I mean, are you kidding me? She was a single mom with three kids. She had cancer three times. Look at her. You're going to be fine. It's just how you perceive things you know, and what you run with. And that's what you believe, then that's what you believe. So for me, the whole time was like, I don't want anybody raising my kids. Heck no, I'm going to raise my kids. 
So I'm going to get better. And the doctor will say, listen, we might have to cut you open. You know, you have a natural between your and your right card, cardiophrenic angle. You, you, we're going to have to cut you open. I'm like, no, you won't. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to get do the, the radiation and it's going to reduce and I'm going to be okay. You know, and the doctors will go, I, I don't, I don't know what happened, but you're fine. And I was always that way. It was like, I am not going to let anybody have the last word, not because I wanted to have it, but because for me, God has the last word. So you guys are here figuring this out, but there is a bigger power here that already has my plan and has my agenda and know what's going to happen. And I am not going to die now. And right now I'm like, I'm not going to die. I need to go see my grandkids when they are born and I have plans and I want to do things and I want to change the world. And that's how I live. You know, um, my husband is a projector. So I don't know if your audience is familiar with the human design, but you know, projectors are pretty much the devil's advocate. So he always tells me what's going to go wrong. And, <laughs> and I'm like, no. And sometimes he'll look at me and he goes, why are you so happy about it? I'm like, I am. I'm just, I'm happy. Why not? And he's looking at me like, do you know something I don't? I'm like, no, I'm just happy. Because I can be happy. Because you can be happy. Because everybody can be happy. You know, you don't have to have one glass. You can have seven glasses. So you don't have to limit yourself to, I'm going to have my glass half full or half empty. No, I have seven glasses. My work glass today is eh. But my health one is top and my friendship is top. So guess what? I have four out of seven full. So I'm good today. You're doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. And I feel <laughs> the same. Like I am, what am I? Uh, something manifester. What was oh, you're, it? you're um manifester generator. Yes. And I'm like, too. <laughs> oh, and I'm the cheerleader in Enneagram seven. And I'm like that everything like the, there's a pigs can fly, watch the Doritos commercial. There's been a man to the moon. There's the internet, like seriously, anything is possible. The possibilities are infinite, like everything. Yeah. And then I so totally get that with your husband and my husband. I'm like, I wake up jumping out of bed in the morning and he's like, what is going on? I'm like, I'm so, yeah. <laughs> so you say that you want to change the world and you are changing the world. And one of the ways is through your coaching. So uh, do you want to share a little bit about that and how, yeah. what do you, why, why do you want to change the world with your coaching and in what ways? I think I want to change my world with ev the world with everything I do. I, I I do it with my podcast because I have amazing people like you do in your podcast, you know, that share their knowledge and, and their perception of things. Um, with my books, you know, I'm teaching parents how to talk to their kids so we have kids with less trauma. You know, tell them the truth from a kind place. You don't have to give them so much information. Just don't ignore their curiosity. Because if not, they're going to go somewhere else and get the wrong answer. So try. And with my coaching, I love to empower women. That's my high. When I see one of my clients being successful, you know, I had a client the other day coming and paying me three sessions ahead of time. And she said to me, 
when I started working with you, I said to you, in order to afford you, that's a scarcity mentality, you know, scarcity mentality, in order for me to, uh, to afford you, I have to get um, two more clients. And now she said to me, I can pay you three sessions ahead of time. And to be honest with you, I didn't do much, but showing her the possibilities that are there. And that's what I do with my clients. I sit with them and I analyze, where are you right now? And where do you wanna be? So let's create the strategy so you can have that life that you want because we came to this world to be happy. We didn't come to this world to be miserable. So let's figure out a way that you can have your cake and eat it. Why not? It's not gonna be overnight, but let's try and let's enjoy life in the process. So I think that when you can change one person's life, you are already creating a ripple effect. So that's my high, that's my passion. I love it. I love to spend time with my clients. I love to see how they're growing. I love to see their potential flourishing. I love to share their successes. I love to cry with them because sometimes they call me and I'm like, oh my God. And you get personal, you know, because you know about their life, you know about their weaknesses, you know, but there are people that, like I said before, you know, they're in horrible marriages that want to leave, but they're all the ones that are in horrible marriages, but they love their, their partner and they don't want to leave. So they just need tools to better understand that partner, to better communicate with that partner, to better be aligned with what that partner was and understand that not everybody loves the same. You know, we love in different ways. And the minute that you understand your partner love language, oh my God, you it's like you won the lottery because you're gonna stop expecting things that that person cannot provide and you're gonna stop giving him things that he doesn't care for. So, <laughs> so you know, it's sometimes as simple as that, but you need, I mean, I have a coach. I have a coach, everybody needs it. Everybody needs somebody who can call you on your, you know what, and tell you, you know, you are derailing. You, you're going somewhere else. This is not where you wanna go. So come back, make a U-turn, let's figure this out. And let's move on. Oh yeah, absolutely. Everybody needs a different perspective because when you're in it, sometimes you can't see the blind spots and you maybe, yeah, need somebody else to call you on, call you on it and uh, maybe steer you in the right direction sometimes. So you also have, I don't have your three books here because I've lent them to a friend. She's going through a divorce and her grandmother's sick. So those books were so timely. After I posted about them, she had messaged me. Well, this one is uh, Secrets Don't Include Mom. Secrets Don't Include Moms. I said that to my kids when they were little. They believed it forever, which was great. (laughs) (laughs) They share everything with me, sometimes too much. But for me, it was always important that my kids got the right information. I didn't want them not to share something because of fear. So yeah, Um, this one is um, all the families are not the same and it's about divorce. 
and how to handle the divorce with the kids. And this one is, where did grandma go? Um, it's about death and grief. Um, I have my journals for, um, for um, women, men, and children. Uh, the kids once it's actually in San Montessori and you have brighter days, which is my, I wrote, you know, I wrote that book long time ago and I didn't publish it, but I wrote that book because in the back of my head and as positive, positive as I am, I wanted to leave something behind for my girls. Mm. And I wanted my girls to know me and I didn't know when I wasn't going to be around anymore. So I wanted them to know the stories and I wanted them to be able to talk to their kids if one day I wasn't around. Never share that fear with them, but that was my motivation. You know, I want my kids to listen to my words, the way I speak, the way I say things. Um, you read the book, you will notice that there are a lot of parts in the book that sound like me <laughs> because I purposely... <laughs> didn't want to have somebody else write it for me. I wanted the book to be me, how I see things. And, and the, like my friend said, the cloudisms, you know, that I use, you know, and the comparisons and the, and the things and how I um, process things in my head. I wanted to be an authentic book. I didn't, I didn't care for the book not to be perfect. I just wanted to share my lessons what I learned, what experiences made me who I am right now. And I'm a work in process, you know, so I thought I'm just going to do it that way. I love that. I, I have the same kind of motivation. Well, one of them behind my podcast is for my sons and my family when I'm not around to be able to go back and listen to some of the lessons or the wisdom or the vulnerability or the growth, like all of it all packed in there to really, you know, when you have conversations pe with people, you really get to know who mm. they are. And, and so I love that there are 88 important lessons in life that your girls will be able to check back into and hear you speaking to them and probably <laughs> yeah. having some giggles as they're, they're reading the book. Um, okay. I know you're headed out for your birthday soon because tomorrow 57, Yay. holy Toledo, 57 <laughs> years around the sun, living and loving and learning and just adding such an incredible um, energy to the world with all that you do. So where can everybody find you, connect with you and maybe figure out how they can work with you or find all of your, your beautiful books, gifts that you've left. My books are all in Amazon. My, um, my Instagram is Claudia Noriga Bernstein. So they can find my name there. I'm in the process of going from brighter days book website to my name website. Um, it should be up. I don't know when the when this is going to air, but it should be up, you know, soon. But um, my Instagram is the easiest, you know, they go there and they they find me. Um, I have clients all over the world. I have it in UK. I have it everywhere. So really, um, distance is not a problem. And I think that that's one of the positive things that we learned with COVID, you know, that you can 
be anywhere in the world and still have a connection with the people that you care for. Um, yeah, so reach out to me. I would love to, you know, to connect with people that feel that I can bring something to them and make their life better. You know, at the end of the day, I truly believe that we can only fly if we embrace each other. And that's a beautiful opportunity that is presented to us every single day. You can change the life of the cashier in the supermarket if you're kind to her. And maybe that's the only kindness she got that day. So think about it, you know, go out of your way, go out of your way, even if you don't go out that much, go out of your way, the, the mailman that comes to your house. You know, one thing that I do in Christmas, and I have enrolled my neighbors to do it, is I put a little table outside my front door, and I have bottles of water, I have those little packages of peanuts that they have in Costco, you know, and um, all healthy bars. And I have a little note for the delivery guys, for the Amazon, for the for the UPS, whatever. And I say, take what you need. Happy holidays and thank you. And those are the little things that you can do every day to change somebody's life. You know, it doesn't take that much. If you are blessed enough to have, you know, a little you know, extra 20 bucks or 30 bucks that you can go to Costco and buy a couple of uh, cases of water and, and, and a bag of healthy bars, do that. It doesn't take much and they're going to appreciate it. And like that, you can touch a lot of people's life during the day, you know, mm -hmm. somebody cross you in the street and they're like, ah, you know, and you go, it's okay. It's okay. And immediately they don't know how to react, you know, because they're waiting for the finger, right? So you're not going to do the finger. So they, they cut you and then you're like, it's good. You have a great day. No worries. It's all good. Immediately you're going to change that energy. That person is not going to expect that. But it's gonna, the, the next person that crosses it, maybe he'll say, it's okay, go. Or you open the door you pay the coffee for the person behind you. Do something kind every day. That's how you can change the world. Just like that. That's it. That will change the world. Okay. Thank you. I love you. Thank you for being on. Um, I can't wait to listen to this episode myself as a listener and just soak up all of your wisdom because it was just incredible. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, your audience is so blessed to have you and I can't wait to listen to it too. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of All Things Relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.